And welcome back to MyTennisCoaching.com. My name is Steve Whelan, founder over at MyTennisCoaching.com. And welcome to this video podcast, whether you're listening on Spotify, the audio version, or you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. I hope we're all well and our coaching is improving. We are reflecting. We are trying to be better tennis coaches, which is what we're all striving towards. Just wants to reach out and say thank you to everyone who has joined in the conversation and the discussion over traditional tennis coaching and the ecological dynamics approach to tennis coaching. It's been a great sort of last few weeks of engaging with coaches around the world, sharing ideas, sharing challenges and having difference of opinion as well. So much thanks to everyone who's been involved. Today, I wanted to just discuss the challenges of the ecological dynamics approach, because it's not all plain sailing. I think sometimes when I discuss the approach on social media or discuss it or discuss it via these blogs or podcasts, it, it sounds like it's just really great, um, amazing approach to coaching. And it's it's just fantastic. But there's a number of challenges that I'm faced with on a daily basis using this approach because not everything is perfect. And one thing I love about this approach is it's completely imperfect. And for reasons which we'll discuss today, there are a number of challenges. So I'm faced with, with a, as a coach using this approach. Um, and yeah, I thought rather than sort of talk about how great it is, because I think I do that quite a lot. Let's talk about, okay, what makes it challenging? What what makes it quite difficult to, to practice and to preach in, in some regards, this ecological approach? If you're not familiar with the ecological approach, if it's your first visit to mytenniscoaching.com or your first visit to one of my channels, the ecological approach is a hands-off approach. And the player role is to solve the solution. The coach's job is to provide the problems. And if you want a more in-depth sort of um, breakdown of the ecological approach, just look back on my previous lives. I've got on YouTube, uh, my tennis coaching over on YouTube, um, or look over at mytenniscoaching.com. I go into great detail of what the approach is and how you sort of implement it. I don't want to keep going over uh, what it is each each week, but it's a it's it's a hands off approach. If we look at a traditional tennis coaching approach of hands on, coach leads the session, coach makes the choices, coach gives all the answers, and the coach gives the solutions to the players. The ecological dynamics approach is the opposite way. So what are the challenges of this hands-off approach? First and foremost, how it's seen, how it's seen by my fellow coaches, how it's seen by parents. So I did a, a live a few weeks back and we talked about what does good coaching look like? Do we actually know what good coaching looks like? Because we only ever really see the traditional tennis coach, the close practice, the explicit instructions the coach leads and the coach gives solutions we only ever really see that type so when people look at my coaching i get hit with lots of oh you're just playing games oh you, you just you're just playing games aren't you it's just just fun it's just games but there's but there's no teaching going on and that's a huge misconception by fellow coaches and by parents and i was, I was talking to a coach the other week and they said to me oh you'd love my session um that I did this week. It was really fun. So oh, that's good. Yeah, fun, fun's quite important. So yeah, we just played waves and we played jailbreak and we just played these crazy games across the river. The kids loved it. It was great. 
and my sort of heart sank a little bit. I was like, well, okay, I'm guessing the kids love those games because they're fun games, but they're probably not developing a lot of skill in those games. They will be developing some skill, but not really the tennis skill that we want to sort of bring to the forefront. And that's what people think sometimes look at my sessions because I am quite hands-off. I'm not talking that much anymore in my sessions, which is complete. 360 degree turnaround from a few years ago so my lessons do look like i'm like like i take a step back a lot of the time when i'm talking i'm asking questions i'm i'm trying to give players problems i'm trying to get them to think for themselves i'm designing practices or games that the players are playing and they're trying to work out the solutions within the game so from from a uneducated point of view it looks like i'm just playing games it looks like i'm facilitating and that's a comment that i heard a tutor make the other week oh that way of coaching is not really coaching it's just facilitating and yeah i am facilitating but the, but the games do not a teaching for me and i think a lot of the time i get labeled with that oh you're just playing games and i did a webinar this week for my tennis coaching guild members so head over to my tenniscoaching.com all my premium content is on there. And I did a webinar where I showed how I develop a backhand, but within this ecological dynamics approach or this constraint-led approach. And I and I talked through how I designed the practices. And behind the practice, I'm looking to develop tactical and tennis skills. I'm looking to the player to control space, control time. These are common phrases we use within the traditional tennis coaching space. I'm looking to develop path angle speed of the racket. I'm looking to develop... Uh, body work and footwork but I'm looking to use games to develop it not words or instructions to develop those skills so from the outside it does look chaotic it does look messy again that's just a lack of education from the coaches the coaches who don't know this approach and I put a poll out a few weeks back over on Instagram at my tennis coaching if you're not following me over on that of how many coaches have heard of this approach, how many coaches have heard of the ecological dynamics approach. And I think it's like 20% of those who voted, and there's quite a lot of people who voted. So a lot of coaches don't know this approach. And even a lot of level four and five coaches that I speak to here in the UK, they, they're not really familiar with it because it's not that common in tennis. It's now become more popular in education. It's more, it's more, uh, it's now become more popular in other sports. Within tennis, it's, it's so niche. Um, and there's not a lot of coaches I know out there who are practicing it or or definitely a bit like me, sort of pioneering it, pioneering it and trying to push it out a little bit more. So from, if you only know what you know, and, and I think a lot of time coaches look at me and think, it's just games. You're just playing games. But it's true because, again, if you watch any of the drills that I put up um, on mytenniscoaching.com, I'm playing tennis. I'm playing tennis. There's ascending and receiving element. There's generally a serve and return included in the game. I'm playing tennis, and tennis is a game. I'm developing skill within the game, and I think sometimes people don't see that, and I get labelled, and I think completely wrongly, of, oh, you're anti-technique, or oh, you're anti-developing the player. You're just facilitating. There's so much more going on that you don't quite understand. And I think that brings me on to my next challenge as coaches. I think sometimes coaches will look at my practices and they'll take them off and they'll implement them and they'll and they'll try them out themselves within their own sessions. And they won't work. And they won't work for one reason, because all my practices are tailored for the player that I'm working with or the players, if it's a group session. 
the games and the rules are very much really I spent a lot of time thinking about the games and how I set up the practice because it's tailored for I want to get the most out of the players in front of me. So sometimes when you just try and plug in and play, I call it, when you take a, a activity or practice and you just try and use it with your players, it doesn't work. So what you have to do is look at look at maybe the basics of the practice and then modify it and change it. I could work with two players and I would have to change and modify the practice. And I did it this week where I've worked with two players who are the same age, same stage. So both under nine, both orange players. But the practice was different. The basis, the the core of the practice was the same. But the rules and how I developed it and how the practice ran both went off in different ways. Because each player is unique. Each player will have a different problem to solve and they'll find their own solutions. So I think a lot of the time, and I was having this conversation yesterday with a coach, a lot of coaches just want drills. They want drills that they can just take away and use with their players. And that's dangerous because every player is unique and different. You can't just drill the same way that the top players drill. You can't take a national level under 10 drill and then work with your players and say, okay, this is a national level drill. If you do this, you'll be a national level player. Tennis, tennis doesn't work that way. And I'm finding it more and more now with things like social media, which sounds a bit weird because I'm on social media. Like coaches just want practice designs. They just want activities. But I think it's really important. Something that I've started to put out now when I put out practices, like you're going to have to, you're going to have to change something here. And I think back to my own coach education. I used to go on coach education workshops as a coach, not so much as a tutor. And I'd, and I'd, see these amazing practices and you practice them with coaches and, and they work really well and you think yeah this is fantastic can't wait to get back to the club tonight and you try them and it doesn't work and then you always have that that comment from your fellow coach oh you've been on a workshop have you oh, i've seen that one before that's a steve whelan drill or that's a judy murray drill or that's a kenneth bastian's drill yeah. and then sometimes it doesn't work so you have, so the art of coaching is seeing what's in front of you and then changing it so you can't really plug in and play this type of coaching because every time you do it will be different. And even even if you have the same player, so I could have so this evening I've got a player tonight and we're going to do a practice. I could do the same practice with that player next week and it'll be different. Why? Because the player is different. Tonight, the player might be fresh and energetic and really up for it. Next week, they may be tired, had a tough day at school, not as much energy. So therefore, how they adapt and and sort of conduct the drill will be different. So that's that's something really sort of important to understand as well. And coaches get scared by that because coaches like a plan and coaches like a process. I think sometimes as an educator, I'm a little bit wary of giving too much structure to coaches because I think sometimes you're going to have to not have a complete plan and even tonight i've got an i've got an intent of what i want to work on i've got an idea of what i want the practice to start like and look like but when the lesson but but when the lesson gets going it's going to branch off it's going to go all over the place it's going to the player is going to really facilitate a lot of where the lesson goes so and that's what's great about this this way of coaching because it's it's completely unknown it's completely fresh that's what, but that's what a match is like. Like I could play you in a match today, I could win, and then we can play tomorrow, and the match is different. Even though it's the same two players, we play the same environment. Everything could be the same, but everything's not always quite the same. And that's what's great about this. And I think it's it's much more realistic in terms of 
tennis because I, I honestly don't know what I'm going to get tonight. I've got an idea. It may completely go pear-shaped and go wrong. And sometimes it does go wrong. And I think that's my, my fair point for the challenge is sometimes I set a practice up and it just doesn't work. And I think I touched upon this on a, on a live a few weeks ago. I set a practice up and it just it's just not working. The players, like there's loads of mistakes, there's loads of errors. And when you set up these practices, it's it's there's more mistakes than success. And I think sometimes, and I mention this in the live, you start to panic. Like, oh my God, they can't get it. They can't get it. Oh my God, what are the parents thinking? Oh my God, what are my coaches? Because again, I'm, I'm working within a team of coaches and I can see them looking at me and the players are struggling and I look across and the other coaches are basket feeding and they're isolating drills and all their players are getting success. And there's me on the other side. It's just chaotic. It's just all over the place. And I start to panic. And I mentioned it last week and I still do it now. Like, I'll set up an activity. I set up an activity last night and the player's not getting it. And I want to just go in and tell him how to solve the problem. I'm having to bite my tongue and take a step back and say, I've just got to let him work it out. I've got to try and help him, but I can't tell him. And, and that's really tough because for years I've been that explicit coach and I've been telling him how to do it. Whereas now I'm like, I can't tell you. And I'm trying to manipulate and change the practice to, to, to help him find the solution. So I think that's the other biggest challenge is when you first start these practices, it's it's so chaotic and so messy. And there's loads of mistakes. And I know a lot of coaches, when they see it and they try it, the feedback is generally the same. Oh, I just had to step in because the parents were looking at me. I just had to step in because the player was getting really frustrated and quite upset. And I had to step in because I only had an hour. So it, it wasn't working. So I, I needed to, to get in and fix it. So they had some success in that session. So now I think one of my biggest challenges, like I said last night, uh, just now, like last night, it's, it's biting my tongue and letting the player go through the process. And and obviously, if they're really struggling, I find it quite tough. And a few weeks ago, I had a, a player was really struggling and they were close to tears because they were finding it quite challenging because they kept making mistakes. And it's it's what I did in that situation is spoke to the player and gave him a bit more autonomy. It's like, okay, well, Maybe this is a little bit too challenging for us at the moment. How how would you like to make this a bit easier? How should we change it? And then and then the and then the players sort of well, they come up with ideas. Oh, maybe if we try it with two touches, maybe if we try it with making the space bigger or smaller. And then the player sort of settles down. But we have to understand that players have to go through that process. And we talk about this a lot. Like they have to make the mistakes. They have to go through that that tough that, that tough situation. And that's what I think resilience is. Resilience is keeping going, even though you are making the mistakes. And I think sometimes as coaches, we get that word resilience wrong. It's like, oh, when you're behind that you keep going. It's not. It's 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 when things aren't working that you keep going to find the solution. That's what it means to me. And yeah, to me as an opinion. So, that, so that's definitely challenging in terms of when you first try these practices and this approach, it, it takes a long, long time. The fourth challenge is the expectations from parents. And we've talked about this before. Parents come to, to me because I'm an expert. Well, they see me as an expert. I'm a coach. I'm a qualified coach. Uh, and again, depending on their previous coaching experience, 
they probably come to me thinking that I'm going to provide all the answers and and, and the solutions. And then when I start and it's the opposite way and, and I'm actually creating problems, I'm, I'm actually making life sometimes more challenging for the player uh, than they've ever faced before. And that and that's tough. And, I, and I've had players sort of turn around and one player said to me, she was only, she was nine or 10 at the time. You're meant to tell me what to do. I said, well, hang on, that's not the role of the coach. The role of the coach is to, to help you develop the skill. The role of the player is to find out what to do. And she and she couldn't quite understand that, and it was interesting because because the, the dynamics at home is she was I'll say she was quite spoiled, so if she wants something she generally got it, if she wanted to do something she would generally be allowed to do it. So then when you have this this coach in front of her giving her stuff to solve and she didn't have that safety blanket of someone doing everything for her she couldn't quite work it out, and and that's quite challenging. Because there's 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 an expectation of of what a coach is. And I think sometimes that, that in my opinion, that expectation's wrong. My job is not to provide solutions. My job is to, to provide problems, and the player finds a solution because that's what they have to do in a match court. So how I get over that challenge is when we when I start working with players now from day one, I have a chat with my dad and say, just see your word. This is how I work. I'm gonna I'm gonna provide lots of problems. The player's gonna have to find the solution. This is why, because that's what tennis is about. Tennis is about giving a problem, finding solutions, finding ways forwards. And I just sell it as a life skill. Well, that's what they need to do in life. When they go off and work in 10, 15 years' time, they're going to have to have these problem-solving skills and these resilient skills. So why not start now? But we can do it in a fun way. And I think that's that, that's a big challenge as well, is, is meeting that expectation. And I, and I know sometimes, and I've had a few conversations on Instagram DMs with coaches who say, oh, I've, I've tried your, <laughs> my way, I've tried that approach. I've been following your work. I'm a subscriber on my tenniscoaching.com. And, but like the parents are really pushing back on me because they're looking at my fellow coach and the team on the court next to me and they're seeing this quick progress and they're seeing this structure and, and lots of information and lots of, and lots of knowledge being passed. And then they're looking at my sessions and they're quite not seeing the same. So the parents are moving the players over to the other coach because that's what they perceive as, as as coaching. And they're leaving me behind because they think that I'm not quite there. And my advice there, if, if you are going through that challenge, is you have to educate the parents. You have to educate the parents. And the way I sell it to my parents is, well, I can teach your child how to hit a forehand in the next hour. But you have to understand that that forehand that I'm going to teach I, and I'm going to close it down and isolate it and they're going to develop that single skill. But that single skill won't be able to be replicated in a tennis match. So that's that's option one. Happy to do that. Option two, I can teach him how to hit multiple forehands from multiple areas of the court. It's going to be messy. It's going to be chaotic. And now those skills are transferable. However, it's going to take longer. It's going to take time. They're the two options, A or B. And it, and it's interesting because some parents want the A. They want the quick result. And it's a bit like Amazon Prime. We all want Amazon Prime. Why? Because we want it tomorrow. We don't want to wait two or three days. And again, this is a culture thing in terms of we want stuff now. We've got access to the internet. We, we've got access to so much information and knowledge that it's almost instant. 
So we're losing a little bit of the player development process in that because tennis is so tough. Tennis is difficult. It takes a long time to learn how to play tennis. And my my pushback to parents is always the same. It's a life quote. I can't remember where I got this quote from, but something worth having doesn't come easy. Like you can't just walk on a tennis court and have a tennis lesson and then expect to learn how to play tennis. It's going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to take, take blood, sweat and tears, but probably not the blood. But it's going to take a lot of work from the player and the coach and the parents. But if we put the work in, then we'll get the rewards later on. And I think that's another challenge of, of this as well, because it because it does take time. It does it does take time. But as coaches, we've been I've been brought up and educated that this is a long term project. And I had this conversation this week with with one of my parents, and they came back from a tournament with with some great feedback. I love feedback from the parents. And they, they came back with some feedback from the national coaches, which is great. Again, really good feedback. And I appreciate the feedback. But I always put a little message at the end saying, that, okay, this is a long-term process. Like, great that we've got 10 points there to work on. But, like, we've got we've got time. We've got a long time here. We've got we've got years, hopefully, of, of, of developing all these skills. And there's always going to be things that we're going to work on. But, like... Rome wasn't built in there uh, sort of in a day. Let's just let's just take our time. Let 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 let's enjoy the journey. Let's not just be looking to keep ticking off all these things that we think we need. And I think that's that's another challenge with this this approach as well because there's no there's no pathway to this approach. There's no model. There's no linear model. So it's not like at under eight we need to do X, Y, and Z. Under nine, uh, A, B, C. Under ten, we so there's there's no model in terms of like like a linear pathway it's it it's a bit more messy and chaotic so it it's it's tough sometimes because you're sort of you're you're literally working with the player and there's no there's no destination points to follow which is nice in some regards though because like i can just take my time i'm not trying to get these markers and these targets at a certain time i understand that players will need to be able to do certain things at certain levels but there's no like, well, by the end of under eight, we need to have A, B, C in place. It's, well, we'd like to have these things in place. If we've got them in place, then great. If we haven't, then it's fine. We, it's just part of the journey. And I think that that scares players, that scares parents, and that scares coaches as well, because it's not it's not like a very linear process. It's not a, a tick box exercise. It's a very case of it's, it's messy, it's chaotic. But then every player's journey is like that. And, that, and that's why I can't understand what like player pathways. You can't compare two eight-year-olds together because you just don't know what's going to happen over the next 10 years. You can't be writing players off. And there's a great quote I seen this week about talent ID. And so it's a podcast, sorry. And what the uh, guest on the podcast was saying, I think this was golf. He's saying, well, the really talented golfers will find a way anyway. So we shouldn't be focusing on those players who have natural talent because they'll find a way. Like the top golfers in the country, and this was a UK coach, he was saying the top golfers, they'll develop themselves. They'll develop themselves. So we don't have to really focus on the best talented kids. We should be focused on everyone. And we're just trying to develop everyone's talent because then everyone gets better rather than trying to focus on this top 10%. Let's focus on developing everyone's talent. And I thought, you know what, that's a really, really key and great message. Like why do we focus on performance? And I've said this before, to me, every player who plays a tennis game or match is a performer. 
So I, I, so I so that really resonated with me. Okay, why why do we look at the top ten percent of a program and call them performance? Because if they are really talented, then they'll find their own way anyway. And again, goes back to one of my big beliefs of players produce players. I don't think coaches really produce the top players. They just they find their own way by finding different coaches and finding different tournaments and, and sort of they play loads of matches. That's how the, the best players in, in, in the UK, especially the the top of the level, and just have to look at how many matches they play. They're playing more matches than most other players. That's why they're so good, because they're having that open, dynamic, completely chaotic experience every single week. If you've got a player who's having just tennis coaching and they're not competing, they could have a lesson every single day and they won't be the same level of that player who's competing loads. So, so that really resonated with me as well. So, but that's a challenge because I don't have, like in the past, I'd have like a a map of, okay, under eights, under nines, under tens, and this is what we need at each stage. Now it's a bit more, it's a bit more open because you could have two eight-year-olds and one's really tall and one's really small. One's really quick, one's really slow, slower, I should say. Um, but you have to tailor for what's for, to what's in front of you. And that's and sort of that makes it quite challenging as well. And how do I overcome all these challenges? Just by taking a breath and not getting too stressed and worried about it. It's just it's having belief. It's it's having belief in what I'm doing is the right for the player. I think a lot of the time I was guilty of this as a coach. I would do stuff that was either best for me. So I would work with players because it suited me. I would work with certain players at certain times because it suited me. They would they, they wanted multiple sessions per week and they would invest in lots of money in me and that, and that suited me. I was making decisions that were, sorry, I was I was making decisions that suited the parents. I was making decisions that suited the club or or centre that I was working at. Whereas now I'm I'm acting ninety nine point nine percent of the time in the best interest of the player, because to me they're the most important person within this whole relationship, whether it be player, coach, parent, club. It's the individual, it's the person in front of me that I'm really sort of now looking after, and I'm trying to ease that expectation off them as well. Yeah, you may not get this straight away. It's going to take time. You may not get to a certain level at a certain point, which is a destination. Like we talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast, what player pathways. That's okay. It doesn't mean it's the end of the, end of the road. Like there's, there's multiple destinations. Sorry, there's multiple routes to the same destination. Let's just let's just find a way for you, and it and it makes my job a lot easier as a coach. Like like even now this week when I got the, the feedback from from the tournament. The old me would have just panicked when, oh my God, I've got to put all this stuff in place because they're going to think I'm not doing the right job or the national coach is going to think I'm a rubbish tennis coach and I'm not going to be given an opportunity later on. Now I take it and go, that's great feedback. Fantastic. I'll take it under consideration and it's part of the long-term plan. And it, and, and it makes my job a lot easier. But the big benefit for me is the players are happy. The players are happy. The players are getting better. They're performing. Um at a higher level, they're developing, I think, more skillful. My players now compete, and I get really any tears when they compete because they're so used to winning and losing. It was in the past where it was quite quite structured and regimented, and I, I wouldn't put players into competition unless they could do certain basics or fundamentals. 
now your first lesson when you're playing a match, you're playing a match and you're probably going to lose that first lesson because I'm not going to let you win. Because I need you to understand that it's not it's not about winning and you're going to lose a lot at the start. Like before, we said, but lots of mistakes. But my players now are, are competing more and it's just normal for them. And one of the proudest moments I had over the past 12 months is when I took three players for their first under eight tournament um, early this year. None of them won a match, but they all absolutely loved playing tennis. And there was a, there was a tournament, but they loved playing tennis. And even though they didn't get a win, they, they weren't too bothered because they're so used to losing in the, in, in sessions. They do win the sessions as well, but it's, but it's just normal for them. They're, they're just so conditioned of playing points. So for me, I've got happier players. I, I do believe in getting more skillful players. One of the challenges is, do they look technically correct? Probably not at times. Again, feedback from, from the tournament last week was, oh, the backhand grip needs to be tweaked. I was interested because my player turned around to the national, uh, the national coach went, why? And then the national coach gave him some some answer about sort of um, how to improve it. Again, it's good. It's good. It's a good technical point. And players like, well, okay, well, we don't really look at grips with my lessons, but thanks. And again, there's an expectation there then of, of of me to start going in and start changing grips. I don't really look at changing grips. I'll just put and then I and I did it this week. I put him in a situation to test his grip. And then if he isn't efficient and effective with the grip he's currently got, then he's going to have to adapt and change it anyway. So, 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 that, so, so that's a challenge as well. But we're, we're on the benefits now, aren't we? Um, but I'm I'm happier as a coach because I'm not. And I mentioned that at sort of this at the start of the pod. I'm I'm not delivering the same session day in day out. I'm not going through a six week cycle of sessions and then the same six week cycle. I'm every single day is different. Every single lesson is different. There's a fear going into sessions of the unknown. I get nervous going in because I don't really have a plan. I've got I've got an idea of a rough idea of what I want to try and achieve by the end of the session. And that's kind of scary sometimes. And like even tonight, I've got a rough idea of what I want to do, but I still haven't quite decided on the practice. And I'm going to sort of go in, share my idea with the player at the start of the session. And then we're probably going to design the practice together because I'm not too sure how they will want to take it. I've got my idea. They'll have their idea and then we'll work it together. But but how cool is that? Like every every day I'm excited to go to work because there's a slight fear of the unknown. And that's completely fresh in my coaching. And I've mentioned this before on podcasts or live streams. Four or five years ago, I was fed up. I was fed up doing the same lesson. Fed up doing the same stuff. And, and there's a post on Facebook today. Oh, the players and the coach was moaning. Oh, my players don't get it. The players can't, just don't, just don't seem to understand what I want them to do. And it's all about giving up coaching. Well, that was me, to be honest. But then you have to look at yourself, not the players. If if you can't get your message across, if you can't if you can't motivate and inspire the player, then that's that's on you as the coach. It's it's not about the it's not about the player just listening to you and following your command. So that's a, that's a huge benefit for me. It's it's yeah, it's freshening up my coaching. But there you go. So I don't want to rattle on too long. I just want to try and keep these to the point. I do go off on tangents at times. You may have noticed. I'm just interested in really getting just talking. And like I, I like I said before, this is my way of coaching. You may agree with some points, you may completely disagree, but I'm using this platform to document my journey. 
And I thought it was just important today to come on and share some challenges because if you do try and implement some of this ecological dynamics approach, you're going to have these challenges. People are going to question you, parents, players. Sometimes when you look at coach qualifications around the world, yeah, they're not really looking into this in detail. So you may look at that and think, well, that doesn't line up with this coach qualification. Is this the right way of doing it? So there's, there's definitely always going to be challenges and pushback. It's messy. It's chaotic. There's there's no plan. There's no structure. That's scary. That's scary because I think we always want stuff regimented and planned. But how relatable is it? Is it to tennis? There's no guarantees in tennis. We turn up and play a match. There's no guarantees we're going to win or lose. No guarantees we're going to play well. Everything's based on the environment of that day. Everything's based on the player of that day. I mentioned before, we could play a match today and play a match tomorrow, me and you. We can be two completely different matches. And that's what I love about this way of coaching. There's, there's just no guarantee. Um, but yeah, there we go. So my next video podcast or video live stream will be on Friday at 10 a.m. GMT time. I hope you're enjoying these. Please leave any questions or comments down below. Please check out mytenniscoaching.com for more details, lots of webinars, on the website, lots of articles on the website. Some of the stuff is behind a um, paid membership subscription, which is my tennis coaching guild. But that's for, for, uh, to help me basically, because I spend a lot of time producing content. Um, I don't get paid for the majority of the content I produce. Uh, but if you really want to see me coach, if you really want to see my practice designs, if you want more in depth sort of knowledge and understanding of the theory, Check out mytenniscoaching.com. If not, send me an email at steve at mytenniscoaching.com. Check out my Instagram at mytenniscoaching. And until Friday, have a great week. Keep challenging your coaching. If you do try any of this stuff, let me know in the comments.